listening to Law and Gospel Wednesday Bible Study, where groups gather together to hear what I have to say every Wednesday and then take the opportunity after the program to talk among themselves. And we're going to be taking a look today at Deuteronomy chapter 10. Now, why are we looking at Deuteronomy chapter 10? Isn't the New Testament really the wonderful teaching about Jesus Christ? Well, so also is the Old Testament. A lot of people will say this, you really cannot understand what happens in the New Testament without the Old Testament. Jesus thought that way. Remember on that road to Emmaus, those two disciples They knew that Jesus had died on the cross. They heard that women had seen him risen from the dead, and yet they were still perplexed. They still were confused. What did Jesus do? He met with them, and he began a Bible study on the basis of the Old Testament, because the Old Testament helped to explain the necessity of his crucifixion. Uh, Look at Isaiah 53. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. In, In other words, Isaiah 53 says that Jesus would die on the cross in order that he would take upon himself our sins. So the Old Testament is really important, but we're going to reverse it today that the New Testament helps explain the Old Testament. What do we mean by that? Well, let's take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. God is speaking through Moses. And in verse 12, we're starting with verse 12, Deuteronomy 10. And now Israel, those are the people of God, What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? Now, if you look at the context of Deuteronomy 10, you'll notice in the previous chapter that Moses had broken the commandments, the two tables, when he came down from Mount Sinai because of the horrible sins that the people of Israel were doing, including the worship of that golden calf. So God told him to come back up the mountain and bring two tablets with him, and he would write again his law, which Moses did, brought them down. But when Moses talks about to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, if you look in the following chapters, a lot of those statutes deal with the ceremonial laws. Ceremonial laws of circumcision, what meat to eat, what not to eat, unclean food, this sort of thing, which is something that we as Christians no longer follow. So what happened? Well, verse 14, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven 
and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. What is the heaven of heavens? Well, in the beginning, God created the world, the heaven and the earth, and it doesn't refer to the heaven we're going to, but rather the atmosphere, the sky. And the heaven of the heavens would, of course, be the universe, the millions of planets, the many stars, etc., as well as the earth with all that is in it. Yet, verse 15, the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. That's really an important point that is being made. God wants you, verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Now, what's he saying? To cut out your stubbornness and really believe in the Lord your God with your heart. Because, verse 17, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. In other words, there aren't any other so-called idols that really exist. There is Satan and his crew, but God is the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. That's really kind of important. You can't bribe your way into the kingdom of God. And, And what do Christians often do? They try and bribe God. They'll say, Lord, if you allow my prayer to be answered, then I'll start attending church every week. No, God is not pleased with such a bribe. Because in 18, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Now, the fatherless and the widow, that means a woman who had been married like Naomi and her husband dies. God still is going to take care of them. And the sojourner are those maybe visiting Israel and in the area giving him food and clothing. In fact, one of the laws that God set up is that When you harvest your field, do not pick up what is dropped, but leave that for the fatherless, the widows, and the sojourners. 19. Therefore, in light of what God has done, love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. In other words, you weren't Egyptians, you were Israelites, and you are in captivity. So therefore, we should also love those who come legally into our country in order that they might have a better life. Verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him And by his name, you shall swear. Now, I thought we're against using the name of God to swear. Well, the word swear there 
doesn't mean saying bad things. That's not the word swear in the Hebrew. It means that when you make a promise, when you swear that something is true, you do it in the name of God. 21. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. What terrifying things? Well, remember, these are the people who came out of the land of Egypt. And how did God work with Pharaoh during that time? There were 10 plagues, and they were quite terrifying to the people of Egypt. Now, it's interesting that when certain things were done, like flies and locusts and such, they never attacked the area where Israel was, only those fields of the Egyptians. And finally, the Egyptians urged Pharaoh, let these people go. Look at all the problems we're having. And it all came to a head when on the night of the Passover, referring to the angel of death passing over the houses and the oldest male, animal or human, in the household died where that household had not put blood over the doorway. So when you take a look at this, we got a little problem, do we not? The, the problem we have that Moses is saying is that we are to fear the Lord by walking in all his ways to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and to keep these commandments and statutes of the Lord. And according to verse 12, this is something that God requires of you. Now, how come that isn't being preached anymore in proper Christian churches, that God requires this of you? Very simple. Well, what's one of the confession of sins that we have? It's, I, a poor, miserable sinner, deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. We do not meet these requirements that Moses is putting down. Yet, is this not the word of God, that this is what he requires of you? How can you therefore look at Deuteronomy 10 and be comforted? This is where the New Testament really is important. Because in the New Testament, it helps to explain what these Old Testament passages are talking about. Let's just remember Romans. Paul wrote this, chapter 10, and he wrote verse Five. Now listen to this carefully in light of Deuteronomy 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Do you understand what that is? That's a salvation by works. Why 
is God, when he speaks through Moses, giving the impression that if you obey my commandments, that's how you're going to live. Well, none of us can do that. We all, therefore, would be doing what our confession of sin says and that we would be deserving temporal and eternal punishment. You see, this is a problem with the religion called Judaism. Judaism is not the Old Testament faith, but it is a new understanding of God and salvation that came about around the time of the Babylonian captivity. These folks took the statements of law which Moses stated as to what God requires of them, and what did they do? They turned the statements of Moses, as Paul says, into a means by which they would become righteous in God's sight. In Luke 18, Jesus gives a parable making that point. The Pharisee there is thanking God Thank God that I'm not like that tax collector over there. Now, why does he think that he's better and saved? Because he starts listing not the moral laws, but the ceremonial laws. Because I fast, I tithe. Well, he was bragging about the ceremonial laws, but what does Hebrews 10.4 reveal in regard to the ceremonial laws, which included the sacrifice of animals. I can't believe how many Christians think that when the Old Testament folks sacrificed animals, that was in order to take away their sins. But listen to Hebrews 10.4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. How many people realize that? None of the ceremonial laws brought forgiveness. So how do we get forgiveness? Well, we go back to Paul, New Testament, explaining the Old Testament. After, in the same context where he writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that Moses speaks about, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them, He also says this in verse 4 of Romans chapter 10. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Not who is obedient, but who believes. What does it mean he's the end of the law? Now, unfortunately, there are some so-called preachers that say you don't have to obey the law anymore of the Old Testament. Uh, Those laws are wrong. Therefore, you can do abortion. You can practice homosexuality, etc., because the end of the law has come. No, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying it's the end of the law for righteousness. In, In other words... The words of Moses were saying, well, you want to be righteous? Then these are the things that God requires of you. 
By the way, that was what Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, people didn't think they murdered anybody. So Jesus says, well, guess what? Not only the act of murder, but if you have a bad thought towards someone or even bad thinking towards them to hurt and harm them, that's a breaking of the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder. And the punishment of eternal damnation is the same as if you actually murdered them. So why is Jesus talking about the law in the Sermon on the Mount, where he ends up saying at the end of that chapter, that's Matthew 5, therefore you will be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is the purpose of the preaching of the law by both Moses and Jesus? It's not that the law isn't important what is important is a proper understanding of the preaching of the law. When Paul says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, he's not saying that the law therefore disappears in order that we are no longer aware of what is God's will for our lives. Yes, that's called the third use of the law, and that's information. This is what God wants us to do. And both Moses taught that and Jesus taught that in the Sermon on the Mount. But what did neither of them really mean? The law disappears as a means of becoming righteous in God's sight. Now, unfortunately, there are some preachers in the world who think, therefore, you don't have to obey the law because you can't become righteous in God's sight. That, that's like a parent saying to their children, I brought you into the world, therefore, you don't have to obey my commandments because you're already a member of the family. No. The parent would instead say, yes, I brought you into the world, either by being begotten or being adopted. And therefore, these are the things you do in order not to stay as a member of the family, but to follow the rules of the family to keep peace and comfort. So all the rules my parents made about being home at 5 o'clock to eat dinner, well, guess what? That wasn't in order that I become their child. I'm already their child. And that's similarly that obedience to the law in Christianity always follows faith in Jesus Christ. It is never the, the foundation for such salvation. That's really an important point. I mean, Jesus himself says it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me... You can do nothing. Now, this is where the problem is, and I think why a lot of young people are leaving the church. Because false pastors are taking a look at passages like Deuteronomy 10, and they're not looking at them in light of the New Testament, where Paul makes clear that Moses 
is not writing about the righteousness based on the law. The righteousness that saves comes instead from Jesus Christ. That's really quite important. It's found in John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But then why does God say the law through Moses? Why does Jesus speak the law many times in the Sermon on the Mount? In order that we would obey the law to become righteous? No. They are, in a sense, doing what John the baptizer did. Remember, John the baptizer, the fulfillment of the new Elijah, his goal was to be a forerunner for Jesus. Now, what does that mean? He was to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. He said, you know, I baptize you with water, but he's coming. Who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit? But what is necessary for a person to receive faith is repentance. You will not receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins apart from a recognition that you need the forgiveness of sins. So the law is preached in both the Old Testament and the New Testament to awaken you to realize you are a poor, miserable sinner deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment so that when you hear the gospel, which is different than the law, you come to an understanding, wow, my sins are forgiven, not on the basis of my works, but on the basis of God's grace, which is his attitude towards you. God forgives you who does not deserve to be forgiven. That's the message of the whole Bible. And it's not that the Old Testament doesn't talk about the gospel. In fact, the first promise of Jesus' coming is, of course, after the sin of Adam and Eve, that through Eve will come a Savior, and that was he who was born of Mary, and he will crush the head of Satan, even though in the process his ankle will be wounded. That's talking about the cross. So we need to understand that the law taught by Moses did not have as its purpose, here's how you can become righteous. Now, if you were able to obey the law, like Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before their fall into sin, they, they were righteous then. But since the fall of Adam and Eve, the law has a different purpose. And those of you who will be hearing a Reformation sermon this week will also be probably hearing the epistle from Romans chapter 3. Listen to verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, whether by Moses or Jesus or John the baptizer, it speaks to those who are under the law, namely people who think that they're saved by obeying the law. And what's the purpose 
of speaking the law so that every mouth may be stopped so you won't be bragging about your good works and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Now listen to verse 20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And so how are you justified? Verse 24, you're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is the difference between applying the law and applying the gospel. We apply the law to those who don't think they're sinful enough to need a savior. And when they recognize that and they mourn over their sin, we bring them the comfort of the gospel that grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and how he found you as a lost sheep and carried you home. Tomorrow, Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz. On KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.